Hello and welcome to Guiding Assets, the flagship investment podcast for CFA Institute. I'm Mike Wahlberg, and I'm joined today by Dan Magoey, a portfolio manager and analyst on Lazard's multi-asset investment team, where he focuses on real assets. Prior to joining Lazard in 2021, Dan led research teams at Citi in New York and Sao Paulo, and with Deutsche in New York and Mexico City, where he appeared several times on the coveted institutional investor list of top analysts for his work in Latin America. He is also a CFA charter holder. Our focus today will be on real assets, and I'd also like to dip into Dan's experience in Latin America to learn what it's like investing in that part of the world. Welcome to the show, Dan. Hi, Mike. Thank you. Good to be here. Let's start with some definitions, Dan. What are we talking about when we say real assets? Sure. So real assets really are either companies, businesses that tend to have assets with a high fixed cost of investment, a long useful life and you know, good examples of these would be companies in the real estate sector or either in infrastructure, may include things like transportation uh, assets, often concessions and utilities. Uh, basically, the high fixed cost of investment and the long useful life are some of the big distinguishing characteristics. Right. So you got like power gen and transmission in there, other utilities. That's right. And then within that as well, you, you, there's, there are different ways that, that folks can access this public, private, and direct ownership as well, as I understand. That's right. So real assets you know, can be invested in many ways, direct uh, investment uh, through private equity or in space uh, you know, where I tend to focus in uh, listed securities. That's right. Now, a key reason that people invest in real assets, as I understand, is for their inflation protection that they, that they provide. So let's push in a bit on that. What is it about these particular assets that lend them that protection from inflation? Sure. You know, because of that high fixed cost of investment and long useful life, typically a lot of the the businesses are structured in a way either through regulatory frameworks or, you know, in the case of, of real estate, longer term contracts that tend to are designed to keep pace with inflation, cover cost of capital. And so you know, a lot of the times what you'll find is that businesses are will generate a what is effectively like a real return that covers cost of capital plus a, a spread for risk. And then the underlying real asset tends to keep its pace with inflation over time. And that's helped by that long useful life. And, and these, these things trade a little bit. Uh, they're a bit of a different animal than the average, say, industrial or resource stock, for example. So how, how do they tend to trade? What, 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 what trends do you see in how, they, how the valuations follow these things? So I think, you know, the, you know when, when, when you mentioned trade, I think a, a lot of times, you know, people are most familiar with the interest rate sensitivity or the inverse correlation to interest rates. But, you know, the way I think about them tends to be like a real return investment, almost like a, an inflation protected security, although we're really talking about equity here rather than than bonds inflation protected security and, and and going back to you know what I mentioned before is that you have a, a of an asset that tends to keep its pace with keep pace with inflation in terms of its value and produce a a return that covers your real cost as capital so I think in many respects there's sometimes too much emphasis placed on interest rate sensitivity and not enough placed on the real investment return Right. And, and how do folks think about them when, when they're, you know, through the economic cycle? Like, how do they tend to perform, not just through the interest rate cycle, but through the economic cycle? One of the reasons that real assets are looked to as an inflation hedge and through the cycle is that if you think about it, let's say you're using real estate as a good example, 
is those rents will move up, you know, typically with inflation and to some degree on supply and demand, but talking about, you know, over, over a long period of time, particularly higher quality assets, rents will keep pace with inflation, sometimes appreciate more, and an interest rate cycle will have uh, moved up at some point, but then, in, but then also, just as the name suggests, the cycle will come down and those rents tend to be quite sticky and grow over time. So you would now have a, a, an income stream at a, that's retained its purchasing power in real terms and a discount rate or interest rate, real estate terms might be, you know, capitalization rate that then is where a lot of the recovery in valuation would come from. And I imagine for utilities in particular, their you know regulated returns and the fact that people don't really change their demand for their heat or hot water, regardless of what the economy is doing, would, would lend them a little bit more resilience. So I think that's right. On the infrastructure side, which tends to have a lower volatility than real estate, you're often going to find a little bit less supply and demand sensitivity, maybe a little bit higher degree of visibility in, in, the, in the revenue due to either regulatory framework or longer term contracts, concession contracts relative to, to the real estate example. Um, and and at, at, as you mentioned, the underlying demand, perhaps a little bit less sensitive to economic cycles. We've got to keep the lights on. We need to get from point A to point B on toll road concessions or airport concessions. So generally, I think you'll find in, in the, within the real asset space, some of the lower volatility within the infrastructure space, but a lot of those same characteristics of long useful life assets, maintaining their value with inflation and a return, be it regulated or, or, or long-term contract driven that is intended to cover a real cost of capital. So given that backdrop after the last couple of years that we've had here with, you know, obviously rates up significantly potential economic softness in the in the offing, whether that's a soft landing or hard landing or something else. What what does that meant to the real asset space in terms of valuations and performance and and where are you seeing opportunity? Sure. I think it's a very interesting time. We've definitely seen some some negative performance real estate sector, for instance, just in the United States using some of the broad indices for real estate was down approximately twenty five percent in twenty twenty two and is sort of struggling a bit here as well with some of the, the rise in interest rates. Again, I'm talking about the listed securities front, but you know, when you look across most property sectors and focusing on the US, which is the largest part of, of capitalization globally, rents really uh, are not coming down. Uh, there's the scarcity supply in many cases, continued good demand. A lot of that is, is helped by what's been a, a resilient job or employment backdrop. But overall, demand has been pretty solid. Supply is well-balanced in most property sectors. And the securities prices are really reflecting that interest rate cycle. I guess just to interrupt for a quick sec here, with, within real estate, I guess there's some some sectors are better than others within that as well. Sure, of course. So you know, there's varying degrees. And one of the things that also keeps uh, real estate very interesting is there's different dynamics in each of the property sectors. So offices most often cited as struggling quite a bit, tends to be a relatively small percentage of the real estate indices, less than 5%, but it, it certainly garners more of, of the headlines. And even within office, there's a lot of different experiences. The high quality properties uh, are capturing a, a lot of the flight to quality, 
Whereas obsolete or buildings that are in a less advantageous position are clearly feeling the brunt of a lot of the changes in work habits. But across, when you think about the different property sectors that are available to invest in the securities market, it includes a wide spectrum of residential, between apartments, single family rentals, industrial market, which are your e-commerce warehouses and light industrial have been very strong. A lot of digitally related sectors, just such as data centers and cell towers. So across the spectrum, there's a lot of, of different options in terms of investment. And that's where, you know, in, in we see a lot of continued strong demand as well as to varying degrees, uh, relatively tight supply. So sorry, I interrupted you on the opportunity set that you're seeing out there. So what about within sort of infrastructure space? I, we, you kind of started out talking about real estate there, but what, what about the other sleeves? Sure. Even within the infrastructure space, we've seen also continued uh, strong demand, or I should say a, a strong demand recovery post a lot of the disruption from COVID, both in terms of ground road transportation and toll road concessions, as well as the, uh, the, you know, the term revenge travel, uh, a lot of returning to, um, to, to uh, flight and airport traffic. So within transportation concessions, Transportation machine, strong recovery. And then as well, the demand on the on the energy front is more stable, low single digit growing, but there's certainly a strong trend towards electrification. So a lot of as we increase our power needs on the electricity front, a lot of that plays into uh investments in the utility space. And what about in renewables? So on um, and on the new uh, renewables front as well, that that also can either be in the pure play renewable space, where often a lot of the renewables investment are taking place in integrated utilities that are increasingly converting generation from from fossil fuel based to wind and solar or renewable forms of energy. So that requires investment both on the generation side, but then it also requires substantial amount of investment on the transmission and distribution side. And those investments constitute the asset base of your utilities, which are then remunerated on that real return economics that we were talking. So one thing I think of when I think of infrastructure and specifically in the U.S. is just all the calls for massive investment over the next several decades. And I know some of that has started already, but how, how can people play that those big infrastructure spends that, that have started out of state and federal programs? That's right. So a lot of that investment in terms of renewables is going to go into both the generation as well as the transmission and, and distribution. So a lot of that investment really is played through the electric utility sector. We've also seen a lot of investment in, for instance, the within the midstream energy space, the transportation and storage of natural gas, export of LNG. So both, both the energy midstream space in oil and gas as well as in the electric generation, transmission, and distribution through your utilities are, are all, all ways to play that increase in investment. So Dan, you spent a good chunk of your career covering public Latin American companies in this space. Can you talk a bit about the differences between the real asset markets in LATAM versus the developed world? Sure. Latin America so is, is, is certainly doesn't have the breadth of, of investment alternatives that you do in the States, but I think Latin America is a great sort of laboratory for in investing in inflationary economy because many of the countries are still dealing with high inflation and it's it's common wisdom that uh, real assets tend to be uh, some of the best protection against inflation. So 
think I really bring that mindset to global investing, where now my focus is more on U.S. and, and developed markets. But I think investors across the spectrum are relearning that inflation never really is gone. It's always there in the background and investing with that mindset is important. So back to real estate for a quick sec, if we if we might, Dan. We've talked a fair bit about real estate on the show in this past year for obvious reasons. For owners of public REITs, it's been painful to watch the private funds get marked down either slowly or gently or both. What inning do you think we're in with the closing of that gap? I know you, you look mostly at the public side, but do you have a sense for uh, where we are in that cycle and whether this has been different than last ones or if it's more of the same? Sure. I think that, you know, in many cases, the listed securities markets tend to react quicker and perhaps more severely than, than you often see in the private market. So I think that, you know, we've, we've started to see, well, we saw a very strong correction in the, in the listed securities market in, in, in 2022, and then now a, a more moderate decline as we've continued with the, the increase in rates. Whereas, you know, in the private market, I think last year, much was was made about the fact that private equity, particularly in the real estate space, by and large, still had somewhat of a positive year in the face of, of significant declines in listed securities market. We're starting to see some of those portfolios get marked lower on the private equity side, but still at a more measured pace. And I think that's a reflection of the fact that those business fundamental trends that we talk about, demand remaining pretty resilient, are are really the underpinning of the valuations, the more measured valuation on the private equity side. To me, that spells opportunity in the securities market because the underlying fundamentals of the, let's say, the, you know, the real estate spaces are are, are are very similar, not the same, and that some of the, let's say, overreaction in a listed market represents opportunity to be recovered as we come through the back end of the interest rate cycle. So with the tightening cycle nearing its end, maybe, do you think we're at an inflection point now? And, and what does that mean for in allocations in Lazard's real assets fund? Sure. I do think that we are coming to the end of the rising interest rate cycle. We're already seeing an inflection on inflation. I think there's still a fair amount of concern in terms of the pace of economic activity and whether that tightening cycle will result in a soft landing or a recession or deep recession. We are uh, optimistic on on the real estate sector. It's an area we've been increasing our weighting to take advantage of that inflection point. We see generally valuations at, at attractive levels, again, differing across different property sectors, on, and we're up, upbeat on, on a number of the underlying demand fundamentals, ability to, to grow rent. So we do think this is a, a particularly good entry point for the, for the sector. So I want to go up a few thousand feet and just look down at the portfolio from the top and say, like, what do you say to an investor who asks, what, why should I invest in real assets yielding, say, 3 to 4% when money markets can pay me 5% with virtually no risk? I think, one, you can even find yields uh, better than 3 or 4% across much of the real asset space today. But I also think that money markets are not the best benchmark or comparison. It's a, it's a nominal yield and it's very short dated. So if you think of real interest rates today, real interest rates, let's say in the United States, are at fairly historic, you know, high by historical standards levels at two to two and a quarter percent. Of course, you know, the principal on inflation protected securities, you'll you'll get that inflation indexation as well. Whereas in real assets, we expect, particularly in 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 top quality assets across the space, you'll get that inflation protection and 
in the underlying value of the of the assets that you hold were can awful often find real let's call them yields or returns in the mid single digit space closer to around 5% and to the extent that you see we see or we find tightening supply demand dynamics in a number of, of, of specific property sectors or infrastructure categories we think the the ability to grow revenues or rents or revenues could be be even better drive even higher and i, I guess Given your background and history there, you, you've probably encountered this in the past, right? Covering Brazil back when inflation was sort of in the 10% range. That's right. So even, you know, when you think about countries like Brazil, you know, you'll have revenues growing maybe higher than that in the double digits. Of course, inflation would be there as well. So we kind of distill it back to what are the real interest rate environments of the economies that we're looking at and looking for businesses with quality assets that are generating a, a real return that exceeds that cost of capital. All right, Dan, we're, we're down to the final question for our chat today, and that's what was your first job in the industry? And if you could go back and take yourself for coffee on your first day, what key piece of advice would you offer yourself? That's a great question, Mike. My first job in the industry was with a economic bank, think tank, didn't since bought out, doesn't exist, but it convinced me that I uh, wanted to work in financial markets rather than economic think tanks. And if I were to take myself for a coffee, I, I think I would I'd emphasize the value of looking two to three years out, uh, more than 10 years out in many cases. And I think I would also tell myself to lean into high convictions. Often the consensus is correct, but when you have high conviction of a differentiated view to lean into that harder. I've learned that now, but uh, I think it's something that I would have told myself a long time ago too. I've been speaking today with Dan Magoey, a real assets portfolio manager and analyst with Lazard Asset Management. Thanks so much for coming on the show today, Dan. Thank you, Mike. Pleasure being here. I'm Mike Wahlberg, and this has been Guiding Assets.